I love Hotel Lotion. This is the Rich Eisen Show. What a weirdo. With guest host Dan Helley from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Does the 49ers coach have a burner account? There is no official Kyle Shanahan. The fact that he is basically saying, yeah, I check Twitter sometimes after a big win or, or a loss. I love it. Today's guests, NFL Network analyst Brian Baldinger, Super Bowl winning head coach Brian Billick, quarterback coach John Beck, and now sitting in for Rich, Dan Helley. What is up, everybody? Dan Helley in for Rich Eisen, and I'm going to tell you right now, there will be a lot of NFL draft talk as we are on the eve of yet another NFL draft, oh, which will finally. finally be returning to normalcy of sorts in Cleveland. There will be fans on hand. That voice you just heard, that of Chris Brockman. What's up, Dan? Good to see you, man. Our uh, crack producer. Good to see you, too, my friend. Uh, TJ Jefferson. Jason Feller also in the house, filling in for Mike Del Tufo. Hello, Jason. What's up, Dan? And TJ. What up, Dan? I thought you were just going to skip over me. No, no, quick. no. I was getting to you. Like, I noticed the camera shots first went to Jason. So as an experienced television host, <laughs> I, see what you I had to kind of rewind and then jump back to you. All the camera. I'm not, I'm not mad at you. Yeah. You know, you I, go, would ne- I, would never, I would never forget you, man. I would never do that to you. <laughs> um, if it's okay with you guys, we're just gonna, we're going to talk a lot of football today. I mean, I think. I mean, that seems to know? be the move. And, <laughs> Why not? I mean, hey, and who else is in the news? None other than a man I saw over the weekend, Antonio oh, Brown, as he hey, resigns yeah. with the uh, Super Bowl champs. Uh, ironically, I saw um, Antonio at UFC 261 in Jacksonville. It was the first event with fans in over a calendar year. Crazy, and it was just star studded. It I mean, looked insane. It, to, to my left was. Tom Brady and Mike Evans and Blaine Gabbert, uh, Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox were sitting in that row. Hey Tim, Tim Tebow was behind them with uh, his new wife slash fiance. I can't remember if he's actually wife. They are, they are married. She's a former Miss Universe. Yeah, she was attractive um, to say <laughs> yep, the least. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and then and then uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. was oh. he had like a danceathon going on. He was he was a couple of seats down from those guys. I saw those clips. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> crazy. He was there the whole time. So normally the way these UFC cards work is it's six or seven hours, right? You have yeah. the main card, which is two or three. That's at the end of the night. You have the early prelims. There might be a couple of thousand people there. Well, since this was the first event with fans in forever, the first fight of the night had five or 6,000 people there. Wow. And they slowly kind of trickle in throughout the night. And by the time you get to the, you know, the main event, um, it, it's a packed house. But this was a little bit different. Anyway, Antonio Brown was there sitting with... Jake Paul, okay. maybe one of the, the worst combinations of humans on the planet, and they were in the front row. With all due respect. Yeah, wow. no, not with all due respect. It's just awful. Not a fan of either. Partially because uh, Daniel Cormier, former champ champ uh, in the UFC, um, went during a commercial break to have a conversation with one Jake Paul about their little Twitter spat that they had, and it caused quite a commotion. Um, it, the whole, a matter of fact, the whole arena was was chanting "F Jake Paul," yeah, mm-hmm. like multiple times throughout the night. I did see that, you know. So, I, I think Dana White said it best. Whatever he's doing, he's doing something right because we're we're talking about him. Uh, and we're he's talking make, about him. He's, he's making, making millions paper. of dollars in pay per views. Like, I, I made it a point that I would never talk about this, me personally here. But like, all right, I get it. I get your names out there, and you're making all this money. 
But here's what I never want in my life is for an arena full of people to start saying <laughs> FTJ Jefferson. Like, because unless I'm a heel and I'm, I'm at WrestleMania, then yeah, sure. But otherwise, it's like, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really get any particular pleasure from having that happen, no matter how much my pockets were being lined by that. I'm he's, sorry, la- just, he's laughing all the way to the bank. He I, might be, but I get know. it. And you know what's funny that you bring that up? Uh, Ryan Leaf, who's been a tremendous guest host on uh, Eisen Show many times over the years and um, was on my podcast, The Helipod, uh, a couple of weeks ago, said that one of the things that led him down his his path with drug addiction was going to a fight in Vegas. I'm sure you guys remember this story. And they were introing all the stars in the crowd. And it was, you know, it was Tiger Woods. It was Michael Jordan. You know, it was Charles Barkley. It was Ryan Leaf. And then everybody started booing. Cool. And he said it just hit him like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And so he had to self-medicate. And, yeah, that was a different deal. Ryan Leaf, not a heel. I think Jake Paul comfortable. He was just <laughs> yeah, soaking it all up. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he was, yeah, he was yeah, okay yeah. with that. But yeah, um, it's going to be incredible. I cannot wait for the drama that will be the NFL draft, the best reality show on television. And as it always does, it surrounds the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. right? We're going to see quarterbacks go one, two, three. We'll be talking about that all day long. From what I'm hearing, uh, and I'm sure if you are a big NFL fan, you've, you've read the reports, Mac Jones is going to San Francisco at three. Now, there are days when Kyle Shanahan leans towards Trey Lance because the ceiling is so high for that young man, but he's, he's kind of in love, a little bit maybe infatuated is the word, with Mac Jones. Those around him, there are some in the front office that prefer Trey Lance, and it seemingly is an ideal scenario for a young, inexperienced quarterback to come into uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo there. It could be very similar to the Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith situation. But the numbers for Mac Jones in his lone season as a full-time starter were just off the charts. 41 interceptions, with, 41 touchdown passes with just four interceptions, and that completion percentage of 77%, is the highest ever in college football history. 77%. There are guys on their pro days who don't complete 77% of their passes, yet we are infatuated with how Mac Jones looks with the shirt off. That's what we're talking about. Oh, we're going to draft this guy. They're up in arms in the Bay Area. How can we draft Mac Jones? You have Trey Lance out there. You have Justin Fields out there. I mean, look at these guys. And we're going to draft Mac Jones. I would say this. If there's one guy in the NFL that I would trust when it comes to quarterbacks, it would probably be Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I think so. You know, and I think he's I think he's sold on Mac. But again, as I've been told, there are certain days. There's seven days in the week, right? Five days a week, he's taking Mac Jones. There yep. might be two days when he's like, ah, oh, you know, maybe yeah, you know I can what? make something out of this Lance kid. So you guys had Trey on yesterday. Oh my goodness, tremendous interview. Great kid. You can just hear it in his voice. The leadership, the work ethic. I want him in New England in the worst way. Yeah. Well, I'm. I'm I don't want to mortgage the farm. I'm from Washington. I'm a huge fan of the Burgundy and Gold. I would love to see him. What was that? Uh, I was a Cowboys fan over there. <laughs> I would love to see him uh, there if he slides to the teens, which I don't think is going to happen. Right, I, I think, think he's certainly going to be a top ten pick. And I don't, you know, I can't see, I can't see New England trading. As a matter of fact, Ian Rappaport said yesterday 
there are probably going to be fewer trades than we anticipate in the first round oh, interesting. because the cost of doing business is so great. The 49ers set the bar high, trading two first-round picks and a third-round pick to move from 12 to 3. So you're moving up 9, 10 picks. It's going to cost you a couple of first-rounders. Are you, are you willing to do that? That's going to be the question for a lot of these teams. Maybe if you're sold on a Justin Fields and you had him number two on your board right behind Trevor Lawrence or Trey Lance is number two on your board, and you say, man, I can get him at nine, I can get him at ten, you know, maybe I get that guy. I, the draft starts at four. We know it's one, two, three quarterbacks, right? So what is Atlanta going to do? The consensus out there right now seems to be that they draft the player many are calling the best player in this draft in Kyle Pitts at tight end, who uh, most think immediately will become one of the top three tight ends in football and eventually will become the best tight end in football, a more athletic version of Travis Kelsey. He's an absolute monster. But then if you're the Bengals, do you go offensive lineman or do you go wide receiver to give Joe Burrow somebody else to throw to? Um, and the Dolphins obviously not going to draft the quarterback. They're content with, with Tua. Do the Cowboys... Move up, maybe not. I, there's just so much drama, oh, so many questions, you know, involved. So much drama. But I will say that at this juncture, the most polarizing player in the draft has to be Mac Jones. Has to be the guy that if he doesn't get drafted by San Francisco, how far does he slide? Does he go out of the top ten? Are the, are the 49ers the only team infatuated with this Alabama quarterback? There's. It's Endless. so interesting Endless. because if you look at the teams that probably or might take a quarterback, it's Detroit, it's Denver, it's Carolina maybe. They're talking about it. New England definitely is in the market for a quarterback. You mentioned Washington. If Mac Jones doesn't go three, does he get all the way to 15 at New England? Where is Washington at? You said 19? Right. Does he get down to 19? I don't know. It could be an Aaron Rodgers like TJ and I were talking about before the show, a 2005 situation where a Brady Quinn situation where we're just focused on him. I don't know if he's going to be in Cleveland. He might be. Are we just focused on him in the green room because he's just sitting there waiting, waiting to hear his name called? You know, normally, I would say somebody's going to be sitting there. I just think that NFL teams are so thirsty for a shot at a starting quarterback yeah. that – that they're gonna they're gonna be flying off the shelves. You know, the Carolina Panthers at eight are another really interesting team. You know, they've traded for Sam Darnold, obviously. But word on the street is that yeah. they are enamored, their owner specifically, with Justin Fields. So do they draft a quarterback? Sam Darnold's still relatively cheap this year. Yeah. Um, you know, but they, have not picked up his fifth year. Fifth year yet. option. So they have to decide. There were also lots of rumors about the Carolina being interested in Deshaun Watson right. when the offseason first began. So right. But now they have a guy. Does I just don't know if that behooves you. Granted, you didn't mortgage much to bring Sam Darnold not really. down to Carolina. You're not paying him a ton. Um, I guess you could hedge your bet a little bit and, and draft Justin Fields. But if you were confident enough to make a trade for Darnold, I, to me, I, I'm at least picking up that fifth-year option. I'm putting some weapons around him and seeing what we have. The, there is a dearth of quarterback talent in next year's draft. And I think that's scaring a lot of teams right now. Mm -hmm. I think they are worried about, hey, if you're the Atlanta Falcons and you have Matt Ryan, who could play another four years, I think at a relatively high level, and you don't plan on being in the top five again, should you draft a quarterback? 
Arthur Smith, an offensive guy, a former offensive lineman at the University of North Carolina. One of the great stories in the NFL. Dad is Fred Smith, who started FedEx. And Arthur worked <laughs> his way up the ranks. You know, having a billionaire father uh, may have helped him initially get into the league. He broke in on one of Joe Gibbs' staff as a low-level assistant and then worked his way up, hung around Tennessee through three or four different head coaches. When Matt LaFleur left for the Green Bay Packers head coaching job, he marched into Mike Vrabel's office and said, I deserve this, I want this, and this is why. And Vrabel's like, all right, I was going to look at you anyway, but now I think you're my guy. (laughs) And after two years as the OC, he is now the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And this is a guy who's really smart. He's a great play caller. Um, He plays to his strengths, obviously, in Tennessee. Derrick Henry runs for for over 2,000 yards. But if you're that guy, if you're Arthur Smith, do you want to come into your first shot at an NFL head coaching job and have to transition to a rookie quarterback in your first year too? Or do you want to go with a guy that sound got great. you to the Super Bowl? Right. MVP and, in the league. Right. I can still get it done. Mm-hmm. And they can't move on from Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan will be the Falcons quarterback for at least two years. It's such a huge cap hit, right? So it's, it's giant. It's like 70 million after this year. It's 40 million after after, you know, 2021. So he will be their quarterback. Roll the dice. Take take Kyle Pitts and let's rock and roll with this offense. If you trade Julio Jones, fine. You can get younger wide receivers with the draft capital you get back. If not, hey, you run it back with a future Hall of Famer, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, a mishmash of running backs, and let's rock and roll. You have five first-round picks on the offensive line. Protect right. Matt. Let's go. You know, in – Rapsheet said earlier this week that they had such huge salary cap issues that at this juncture, based on the way things are right now, they wouldn't be able to sign all the draft picks. So they're going to have to maneuver, some move some, yeah. some, some money around. And I don't think, I mean, you said roll of the dice. I don't think it's a roll of the dice to take Kyle Pitts. I think it's a roll of the dice to take a quarterback, right? Like in my mind. Right. I mean, roll the dice with, with Matt. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, for you know, sure. Th- thinking that you've got, you know, a two to three year window with Matt Ryan here, load him up with some weapons and see what you can do. Do you trade Julio or do you keep Julio around? I think I would trade Julio. I think a 32-year-old wide receiver who's going to be a Hall of Famer who at, at certain points in his career has been the very best wide receiver in the league, um, if you can get something in return for him and maybe shed that salary, you know, with Ridley, with Pitts, with a running game uh, that I think will be improved with Arthur Smith as the head coach, yeah, I I. I, I it's painful to say, you it know, is, you trade one of painful. the best in the game, but he had yeah. an injury plague season last year. Um, his cap number's huge. And maybe that's, to me, that makes more sense to start rebuilding there as opposed to start rebuilding at the quarterback position in your first year. Yeah, after. I think whatever picks you get back for Julio this year, you can take receivers with that and kind of, you know, piece together what you would get out of his production. But, you know, you save yourself some money, move on. Bid, bid adieu to him. Gosh, I'm, I'm so pumped up I'm that so pumped. we're only Finally 15 here. minutes into the show oh. and we haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg here in terms of what we're going to get to with uh, the draft, which is coming up tomorrow. We're going to talk to Brian Baldinger coming up on the other side of this break. Uh, Brian Billick's going to be joining us as well. And really looking forward to John Beck. John Beck is the quarterback coach for three guys who could go in the top 10. We're talking about Zach Wilson. We're talking about Trey Lance and Justin Fields. He's also the quarterback coach for Kyle Trask. So four potential first-round picks there. He has tremendous insight. I talked to him a week ago, watched him working out with uh, a couple of NFL quarterbacks. He was just getting off the phone with Kyle Shanahan, and then one of the most powerful agents in the game called him 10 minutes later. So he's been talking to everybody. 
That's the guest list today, along with Rich from Cleveland. He's already there getting ready for the draft, so he's going to give us a little preview of what to expect of the NFL Network coverage. That is all coming up in just a few minutes uh, here and over the course of the next three hours here on the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Helley filling in for Rich. All right, played sawgrass when I was uh, down in Jacksonville. You know Man, what I really needed, I guys? I saw that. Dude. Yeah, it was fun. I needed wow. the Odyssey White Hot Putter. It is the most iconic, most played, most sought-after insert of all time, and it's back. It's the new White Hot OG line of putters from Odyssey. White Hot OG, defined by the famous urethane insert that golfers everywhere have come to love. The original White Hot designs have been completely remade and reimagined. The two-ball, the Rossi, the number seven, the rest of the head shapes sport modern upgrades and fine surface milling for an ultimate premium look to inspire confidence over the ball. And if you play golf, confidence is key when you are putting, and no putter gives you more. Legendary then, iconic now. See the white-hot OG family of putters today at odysseygolf.com. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed this is the Rich Eisen Show. We've done this before with you. Yeah. Um, I've got three social situations. You are the judge and jury as to what is done. Okay. 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 First one is destination weddings. Okay. <laughs> it's already funny. Destination weddings. <clears throat> I say to my wife, we're going to a destination wedding. We should not give a present. Because my presence is my present. What do you say, Larry? First of all, where is the wedding? How far is it? 
Another country. Okay, you don't even go. <laughs> you don't go. You don't go. But it's a close family friend. I don't care. I am not flying 14 hours on a plane yes. to somebody's wedding. I'm not going to do that. Even if it's a nice destination where it's a nice hotel and you're set up? No, 14 hours on a plane, you, you can't even breathe. Come on. So w- what would be the what, the distance from your house that you would... An hour consider? and a half by car. <laughs> That's it. No plane. You, didn't, you, okay. know, you don't get on planes for weddings. Right. Okay, out of the question. Here's social situation number two for you, Larry David. Sure. You're going over to somebody's house. Okay. All right, for, yeah. let's say the fight, the Mayweather-McGregor fight. This okay. happened to one of our producers, sure. Ken okay. Trullo, okay? Okay. Uh, they brought desserts. Fight ends. Nobody's touched the desserts. They like these desserts. Is it okay to take the desserts home? All right, well, we did this on uh, Seinfeld. You did? Yeah, the marble rye. Well, the marble, okay. Here's the thing. Yes. You bring it over. Do they know you brought it over? Yes, they do. Well, if they know you brought it over, then you can't take it. But what if nobody's tried it? You know, it's not like a bottle of wine. A bottle of wine could be savored later on. It's still, it's a perishable. You're bringing it to the host, right? That's true. The host saw it. Mm -hmm. It's different if the host can see it, then you can sneak out with it. (laughs) So if the host never saw it, if you place it on the table and there's no note, yeah. That's when you could take it. If you think if you think you're not gonna get caught, yeah, then you could take it. The problem yeah. is though, Larry, is you never know what was looking. The eye in the sky. Well that's catch it. that's the that's the gamble. Yeah. <laughs> but if the host sees it, mm-hmm. y- you can't take it. All right, the last one for you, Larry, L D. Shoes off on a plane. Do you have a problem with somebody on a plane? I have shoes? a big problem with it. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Keep them on. Okay. You know, d- d- don't make yourself. Th- it's not your house. All right. You're outside. You're in public. I don't want to. I don't want to see your socks. And uh, God forbid you have a little odor down there. Who needs that, right? And I don't even want to know if you do have it. Exactly. It's close quarters. Come on. <laughs> take a couple of mints. Keep your shoes on. So those yeah. who take their shoes off with shorts on and then put their socked feet up on the bulkhead. Oh God Almighty! No. no God. Oh God. That is out. Yes. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Helley sitting in for Rich, who is in Cleveland. We're going to be catching up with Rich here in uh, about uh, an hour, hour and a half to uh, talk a little NFL draft, which will be the theme uh, of today's show as we are almost on the eve of the NFL draft. This will be a uh, return to normalcy of sorts. There will be a collection of uh, fans and VIP guests on hand in Cleveland, three different stages. So, the draft is back on the road. No more virtual draft. Golf claps all around. And now we're uh, pumped up about that. And one of the very best in the business when it comes to chopping up this tape and looking at these cut-ups and creating videos that we can see on social media is my good buddy Brian Baldinger from NFL Network. And I could probably list for, I don't know, a solid 90 seconds all the different gigs that he has. But uh, but I'm not going to do that. You can find him everywhere. Uh, Baldy, what's up, dude? What's up, Dan? Good to hear your voice, man. Good to be with you, buddy. You too, brother. Uh, I have been watching some of your stuff leading up to yeah. the draft on uh, NFL Network. And, of course, you got podcasts and YouTube and yeah. Odyssey. You're on radio shows all over the place. Uh, what? Well, let me ask you this. In terms of, of the most polarizing player in the draft at this point, is it, is it fair to say that's Mac Jones? Yeah, it is. Because... Um, 
you know, he doesn't wow you with athletic ability, although, you know, we have seen quarterbacks um, that have uh, gone on and done great things without that. So it's not paramount, but I just think the way the game is played right now, that you better be able to get a harm's way when these coordinators are sending, you know, these max blitzes at you. And uh, all we want to do is just get the ball out of your hands as quickly as possible before you just get slaughtered. So uh, I would say so. I mean, if he goes with the third pick to San Francisco, who I believe is going to happen, I mean, that fan base is, they're not, you know, they're going to erupt. There's there's going to be a backlash the way it was for Donovan McNabb in Philadelphia in 1999, I believe. I think you're 100% right. On Sports Talk Radio in the Bay Area, Baldy, all they're talking about is how on earth can we trade two firsts and a yep. third-round pick to move up to a guy that looks like Tom Glavin with his shirt off? <laughs> and, hey, hey, by the way, and the reason I use that as an example, Baldy, is because I was in that old Braves locker room, and you see Smoltz and Glavin. And yeah. I remember being a young reporter and seeing those dudes in the locker room with their shirt off. I'm like, those guys look like my dad. I yeah. mean, they're not athletic at all. They're Hall of Famers. I mean, yeah. right? If you can if you can spin it, you can spin it. And yeah. why does it matter what Matt Jones looks like with his shirt off? Who cares? Yeah, I mean, look, the first time I, I mean, first time I saw Peyton Manning in the locker room, I thought, who has the key to a sunken chest? You know, I mean, but you know, nobody's going to argue with what Peyton Manning did, you know, in the, in this, you know, in his career. Um, so it, it it doesn't go hand in hand. Uh, we have all seen uh, players that you know. Uh, that look the part and, you know, can't play. So right. that really has nothing to do with it. Uh, the guy just went 13 games wire to wire like nobody we've ever seen. I've never seen anybody, Dan, ever at any level, high school, college, pro, complete 77% of their passes. Uh, now you can say that it's Alabama, it's an NFL roster, all that stuff is true. He still threw with anticipation, accuracy. Um, they still blitzed him. He still made the throws. He's got great mechanics. So, uh, you know, I, I trust Kyle Shanahan to be able to locate the right guy. I just believed all along that when he made the trade back in March, Dan, he knew exactly who he was going to get. I, I never believed, and I still don't believe, that it was some sort of competition. They just traded the three, and they were going to wait and see which of the three that they really liked. I think he knew who he wanted to get. No, 100%. And that 77% uh, completion percentage – is is astronomical. I mean, it's it's nobody's ever done that in college football. To your point, but I will say this: there are two others that have completed over seventy five percent of their passes. One is Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. and the other is Colt McCoy. Right. So you right. kind of have a mixed bag there in terms of what that that means on the next level. And the other concern, I, you mentioned it. He has four receivers that will have gone in the top fifteen picks when yeah. it's all said and done. I don't know that anybody's ever had that that kind of talent to throw to. So certainly that makes guys look a little better, Baldy. But if you're Kyle, and I, I'm the same way. I, I trust Kyle. I've known him for a long time since he was in Washington. There's nobody better in the business when it comes to picking quarterbacks, in my mind, than, than Kyle Shanahan. But if you're there, based on what you've seen in the tape study that you've looked at, are, are you taking Mac Jones at three? I wouldn't. I mean, I thought that Justin Fields is the second-best quarterback in this draft. And, you know, if you looked at Ohio State against Clemson in the semifinals this year, and I know you did, I mean, Justin Fields outplayed Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you can't get a better game than what Justin Fields did against Clemson. Uh, But then, you know, people will pick up, you know, uh, a Northwestern game and where he wasn't very good. But then I'll show you a Nebraska game where the ball hit the ground one time the whole day. Um, I, I just think Justin Fields is supremely talented. And I just think that, 
it's just the beginning for any of these guys. There still has to be another step. And so the next step to me for Justin Fields is just to do it on a very consistent basis. But you're not going to find a more talented player in this draft than Justin Fields. So I, I'm not arguing with Kyle. He can put whoever, whoever he wants into his offense. And he has that right. You know, John Lynch said it the other day. It's up to Kyle. It's his decision. It should be his decision. Right. He's going to coach him every day. But to me, Justin Fields is the runaway uh, player to be the second-best quarterback in this draft. So when we talk about best player in the draft, regardless of position, the names that, that continuously comes up is Kyle Pitts. I, you know, we may not have seen somebody like this at the, mm-hmm. at the tight end position uh, who's as smooth as he is. I was watching one of your breakdowns on Twitter. He did this little pivot route, yeah. and he created about 10 yards of separation <laughs> with a corner on, on a pivot route. It was unbelievable. Uh, who is a comp, if you can think of anybody from from the past or currently is playing for for Kyle Pitts? Is there one? I mean, you might have to go back to like Kyle Winslow, or you know, I mean, just Kellen Winslow. Sure. You know, back with you know the Chargers. I mean, a player that is a true flex tight end, but can run like nobody else's business right now. I mean, he's Travis Kelsey, but with you know, he's just bigger, faster, um, you know, and more athletic. Uh, then, but that's who he reminds you of. And let's face it, uh, most offenses that are really good right now have some level of flex tight end that they can just move around, match up. I mean, Patrick Sertan couldn't stay in front of him. J.C. Horn couldn't stay in front of him in the SEC. Uh, he could either run by you or low post you or, you know, separate from you on a, on a pivot route like you described. I mean, really, there's – no position that you could put him in. It's just really up to the creative genius of whatever coordinator you have right now. Darren Waller has become that guy, but even Darren Waller can't run routes. And he was a wide receiver coming out of Georgia Tech, but even Darren Waller can't run routes right now the way Kyle Pitts can. Yet he's, you know, he's catching 100 passes right now in the NFL. But that's, that's what Kyle Pitts is going to do. He's going to have a chance to catch 100 passes or more every year and, you know, 10, 12, 15 touchdown passes because, you know, 50-50 balls, red zone, jump balls, um, balls on the top of the rim. I mean, he's going to win a lot of those, those uh, matchups right there. So if you're Arthur Smith, you're a first-time head coach, you're in Atlanta, it's a football town, do you, do you go with the best player available at number four if, if it's Kyle Pitts? Or if you like Justin Fields and think he's the second-best quarterback in the draft – do you feel like you have to draft your quarterback in the future there, knowing that Matt Ryan's going to play a year at least, maybe two for you? I've heard people say, uh, Dan, I know you have too, that you know it's, it's better to get your quarterback too early than too late. I just think when you draft these guys right now, you know, if if, if you drafted Justin Fields with the fourth pick, I'm just you know, just for this argument, uh, I think you just got to start the clock. You just got to start playing them. Uh, I don't know if there's a benefit to just sitting. Uh, it did work out for Patrick Mahomes. I understand that. Uh, it's rare, but, you know, what if Justin Herbert sat all year last year and didn't play and played behind Terod Taylor? We, we, we wouldn't know what he became. I just think you've got to play these guys. But, look, if I think Arthur Blank is going to have a, a lot to say about the pick. Uh, I know there's a new general manager in town, new head coach. But Arthur Smith wants, uh, Arthur Blank wants to put fans inside the Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta. If he thinks Justin Fields can help him do that, then I think that might be a, a good, smart pick. 
But if you believe that Matt Ryan's got three good years left in him right now, Dan, go get Kyle Pitts along with, uh, you know, with Julio Jones and, and Calvin Ridley and Hayden Hurst and, you know, go put a dynamic offense on the field and go score 30 points a game. And, you know, fans will, will show up on Sundays in Atlanta. Yeah, that's kind of where I am right now, Baldy. I just try to look at it as if I were Arthur Smith and I'm trying to win football games. And the last thing I want to do is, is you know, start a rookie quarterback and win five or six games my first year. I, that, just, that just scares the life out of me because all of a sudden you're on the clock, right, as a yeah. head coach. Um, all right, so I'm agreeing with you there. Michael Parsons, best defensive player in this draft. Is that no doubt? Dan Helley, by the way, talking to Brian Baldinger from uh, NFL Network. Um, and SiriusXM and YouTube and Sky Sports. There's there's a long laundry list of places you can find Baldy. Is Micah Parsons the best defensive player in this draft, Baldy? You know, if I thought, Dan, that he was going to be Devin White, I'd say yes, because he's got similar talent to Devin White. But I just don't think that Micah Parsons, especially after sitting out this year, is Devin White right now. And Devin White changes the game in Tampa. He did uh, all year long. And he's the consummate pro. He can do anything. He can go out in the slot and go cover Devontae Adams in Green Bay. I mean, there's nothing he can't do. I, I don't know that Micah Parsons can do that. I, you know, if, if you turn on the Cotton Bowl in his last final collegiate game, you think, okay, he can. But I, I just don't see him hitting the way Devin White hits people and impacts the game like that. So he has the talent to be that guy. I just am not convinced he's Devin White yet. I was going to save this question for uh, Brian Billick, who's coming up a little bit later in the show since he was in these draft rooms and they're drafting guys. But I, I think I can ask both of you because it's going to be a huge issue in this draft in terms of the players who did sit out. Panay Sewell uh, sat out as well, the top yeah. offensive lineman. You got Michael Parsons, who I think is the best uh, defensive player or one of the top two or three in this draft for sure. Um, how much do you look at that as a general manager, as a head coach, if there are two guys on your draft board who are 100% equal, and it's not a position of need, let's say, but you're going to draft the best player, one guy set out, one guy didn't. What do you do? Uh, you know, I don't know what the answer to that is because I think it's just up to the individual and where you're at in the draft. But I know this, Dan, the NFL can only take what the college game gives you. If Micah Parsons is the most talented defensive player in this draft, then you're going to draft his talent. It's unfortunate that he didn't play. He had a lot of players, Rashawn Slater. There's a bunch of guys that had that chance to, to play this year, and they opted not. You know, Ambry Thomas from Michigan. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that, uh, that did not play. And I don't know anybody that gets better by not playing. So, uh, and, and you might go backwards. If you didn't play and you didn't compete and you weren't on the field, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, thirteen games like they did at Alabama this year. So I think it's going to be a factor in this draft, Dan. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a huge factor. Just think about the guys. There's two quarterbacks, right? We don't have to look back far. Right? Zach Wilson this year, who wasn't on anybody's draft board right. prior to the season starting. It was in a three way battle to be the starting quarterback at BYU. And then Joe Burrow, who was a sixth or seventh round pick. And after a tremendous season, he's the number one overall pick, right? Imagine if they hadn't played that year. It, it, so it, I don't. I think it's. I think it's fascinating. You played in the league for eleven or twelve years. Is is it the type of thing where it takes you half a season to to get into game shape and remember what you were doing, or does it not take that long? No, look. I mean, I, I think getting into football shape is a challenge for everybody now because you know teams 
aren't going into their facilities, they're not working out, you know, with their teams. I mean, they may be going to these, you know, these exercise, you know, facilities to go train, but it's it's not football movements. Um, it's not what you would be doing, uh, you know, at, at all these different facilities right now. So I think it's a, that's a question and a problem for a lot of players. I think it's led to a, a great deal of injuries to star players a year ago. I think we're going to see a similar thing this year, Dan. I don't have the science to, to back up that comment, but that's what I believe. Um, and so I think it's a factor. And if you haven't hit anybody since the Cotton Bowl, if you're Micah Parsons, and you haven't hit anybody since the Cotton Bowl against Memphis, um, I don't know how long it takes when you, you've been away from the game for over 18 months before you start, you know, laying wood on people and, you know, getting your eyes back in the right place and learning a defense and learning the pro game and learning formations and, you know, pre-snap shifts and motions and everything that you see at the NFL level. I mean, it's completely different. So it may take some of these guys quite a while to adjust. It normally does anyways. I want to get back to the quarterbacks for a minute because you saying that you feel like Justin Fields is the second best player in the draft seems to be uh, against the consensus right now. Zach Wilson likely going to be the Jets' um, uh, number two overall pick. What is it about Fields that you like more than Zach? I like the way he's built. I think he's more sturdy. Um, You know, he's played through injury. We saw that against Clemson last year. Uh, Didn't miss a beat. I thought the fact that, you know, he came out with his medical condition – you know, last week, Dan, and, um, you know, I, he's, over, he's overcome that. That's, you know, anytime somebody would say that you suffer from epilepsy, that'd be a roadblock, that'd be an obstacle, and he's overcome that, whether it's through medication, you know, mental toughness, all that stuff. He's overcome that. It hadn't, you know, it hadn't knocked him down as a player. He's started every game. Um, I, I, I like the way that he can uh, just – his arm strength is just, I think, not – Zach Wilson doesn't have it. He's got an electric arm. You can see it in every game. I just think Zach Will, uh, Justin Fields just built better. You know, I mean, he's faster. He's bigger. He's stronger. Uh, he's shown that he can just run through Big Ten type tackles and championship level game tackles, um, and without any problem. You know, and I just think that that's a, a factor in the NFL when guys, you know, a lot bigger, stronger, and faster than you are going to hit you. So do you have Zach as your number three then? Yeah, I, I, I had Zach at number three all along, um, especially after you know watching a bunch of games this year with him. Uh, he's got you know the the problem Dan is with all these quarterbacks is Patrick Mahomes has ruined it for everybody. Yeah. You know because four years ago who wasn't an analyst at our network you know whether it was Daniel Jeremiah or Mike Mayock I mean, wasn't a guy out there that said he needed mechanics he needed work he's got to you know you can't play playground football and be successful and that's all he's done and now all these guys want to emulate him and so now you look at those throws that Zach Wilson can make and go oh that's what Patrick Mahomes does every week you know can he do that you know the way Mahomes has done it and you know these guys the pro days are trying to make Mahomes types throws that we see every week and he's kind of ruined it for all these guys it's almost like Steph Curry in basketball, isn't yes, it? Everybody wants much. to emulate Steph Curry now in terms of shooting the long ball, and now all these off-platform throws are yep. what we're enamored with as fans, right? The no-look stuff. That's a great point. No, about- but in fact, I, I don't even – maybe you remember better, Dan. Your, your memory is probably better. But I don't remember anybody saying with quarterbacks off-platform. Like, I don't remember that being a buzzword the way it is now. Right. And, you know, if you want to separate, uh, you know, Justin Fields from, let's say, a Mac Jones, you go, well, Justin Fields and Zach Wilson can make off-platform throws that Mac Jones can't make. And that would be a true statement. 
And so how much does that play into anybody's decision to draft a quarterback? But Mahomes has made it commonplace. This is how you play the position now. Um, now, you know, he's, he's had just off-season toe surgery and he's come back from a knee injury. And, you know, some of these off-platform throws kind of get you banged up as well. Yeah, no, that's a good point. They've uh, they've added to that offensive line, so maybe he'll be protected a little bit more. He is uh, Brian Baldinger, uh, the very best in the business, good buddy of mine, good buddy of the Rich Eisen Show. You can find him at Baldy NFL on Twitter, at Baldy NFL on Instagram. If you want to get a little insight uh, in terms of some film study, always a great place to go for Baldy. Baldy, anything you want to plug or pitch before we let you go? Uh, well, yeah, look, I just want to – nothing about me. I mean, people can find me. But, you know, my favorite player in this draft, in is Landon Dickerson. And I know – everybody knows about his medical and the, and the injuries and all that stuff. But it's all a crapshoot. Like, this guy is the best offensive lineman I have watched since Quentin Nelson. Wow. And um, that's who he is. And so somebody's going to take him, and they're going to keep their fingers crossed and wear their lucky rabbit's foot and all that stuff. And if he stays healthy, he's going to make your team better day one. You know what? I am remiss, Baldy. I had that on my list to ask you about. Landon Dickerson, uh, an interior lineman from Alabama, started his career at Florida State, but had two or three injury-plagued seasons and then really blossomed at Alabama. So he's your favorite guy. I had to ask you about a lineman, and I forgot to, so I'm glad you got that in, Baldy. Well, I, I, I'm, I, I have telepathy with you, Dan. I know. You know go way I, back, I've had buddy. to finish your, your sentences many times over the years, so I figured I'd just finish your thought there. He's the travel dog, Brian Baldinger. <laughs> hey, hey, Baldy, enjoy the, uh, enjoy the draft. Great to catch yeah. up with you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you. All right, that's Brian Baldinger from uh, NFL Network, among other places. He's so good, so much insight, watches an incredible amount of film, um, does a great segment. Uh, on NFL.com and NFL Network, where he sits down with guys and does film breakdowns with current players, whether it be quarterbacks or linebackers or uh, defensive linemen, offensive linemen. Um, He's great, and I found it interesting that he likes Justin Fields better than Zach Wilson. Now, remember, it wasn't that long ago that everybody liked Justin Fields better than Zach Wilson, and for whatever reason it is, there's always one guy each and every year that's kind of picked apart and poked and prodded and broken down a little more than other guys. And this year, it just happens to be Justin Fields. That's our uh, first guest of the day on the Rich Eisen Show, Dan Helley filling in. I'm glad you're listening. Feel free to call uh, Brian Billet coming up in an hour. We'll be back in a moment. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. You told a story about the genesis of All Right, All Right. Yes. All Right. Would you please tell that story? Here's where that comes from. So, Days Confused. Yes. Genius film. I'm in the right bar the right time. Mm -hmm. And a guy goes, hey, you ever done any acting? You might be right, just right for this part. (laughs) Legendary cast director and producer Don Phillips. And I said, yeah, I was in a middle light commercial for about this long, but you know, maybe I'm, I'm in film school at the time. And he goes, well, come to this address. You might be just right. Pick up the script. I go down, I pick up the script. There's three scenes with three lines. And one of the lines is Wooderson out front of the pool hall. The girls walk by, he checks her out going by. And uh, his buddy said, man, you got to cut that out. You're going to go to jail for that, Wooderson. And Wooderson steps forward and says, no, man, that's what I love about those high school girls. I get older, but they stay the same age. <laughs> Legendary line. I call it a launch pad line. Nice. Like, you're going to say, unpack it. Anyone, any character who says that and believes it, we can write a book on that guy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of the lines. Mm-hmm. So I go work on those three lines for three weeks. Um, I come back. And they do what's called a makeup and wardrobe test, meaning they're shooting another scene one night. I'm just going to show up. Director's going to step off the set and come and look and go, mm-hmm. great. I approve. Yeah. Well, he comes and looks. He goes, geez, this is Wooderson. It's great. He goes, listen, uh, you're not scheduled to work tonight, but we're over here at the Top Notch drive through And you think Wooderson might want to pick up on the redheaded intellectual? <laughs> and I'm like, sure. <laughs> and he goes, want to shoot it? I'm like, sure. So I go get in the car. <laughs> I to shoot my first scene ever in a film. Of your career? Of my career. Mm-hmm. And um, I had been listening to a lot of 70s rock and roll at that time. And there was a certain live recording of a Jim Morrison concert in like Amsterdam or somewhere where he barks at the crowd, all right, all right, all right, all right, four times real aggressively, though. I'm not thinking about that, but this comes back. So I'm in the car and I'm like, who's my man? I'm nervous. I'm about to hear act. Who's my man? Who's Wooderson? I said, well, I'm about my car. And I go, well, I'm in my 70 Chevelle. Yes. There's one. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm about getting high. I said, well, Slater's riding shotgun. You know he's got a Dubois rolled up. <laughs> <laughs> There's two. And I said, and I'm about rock and roll. And I said, well, I got Nugent Stranglehold in the eight track, man. Mm-hmm. There's three. And I hear action. <laughs> and I look up. And in my mind, I go, and I'm about chicks. I got three out of four. Let's go get the fourth. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that was it. So First words confused. I ever said on screen. First words I ever said. And that was the three affirmations of those three things I had. When they were, there we go. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Helley filling in alongside Brockman, Feller, TJ Jefferson, all in the house today. TJ wearing that uh, wearing that pink cap. Like pink on Wednesdays has become a thing with you, apparently. 
I don't even know why. I it just, you know, from the movie Mean Girls, they had that line on Wednesdays, we were a pink. First of all, I, I don't think I've ever even seen the movie the whole way through. But I just, I'm weird and I do weird stuff. So I just decided every Wednesday I'm to wear something pink. Let's, let's all right, all right, all, all right. right. <laughs> let's rock weird. and roll. We like, we like weird. Okay, you, man. Um, I don't know if this is weird, but I found this interesting. Um, obviously, I... Deion Sanders has had some some success at Jackson State, right? And he's kind of started a little movement here. Eddie George uh, going to be the head coach at Tennessee mm-hmm. State. You know, we've known that for a few days. Now it looks like Marshall Falk could be getting in. Oh, wait, really? Reaction. Apparently, uh, uh, according to a report, uh, Falk has shown mutual interest with Southern University no in becoming their head coach. Southern, of course, uh, in the same uh, conference as Jackson State. Marshall Falk. Now, Dion brings what Dion brings, right? Which is an incredible amount of attention to a program. And young athletes love that because they everybody knows Dion. Like he he is he's the GOAT and he works for Barstool. He has a camera that follows him everywhere. You know, he's all over social media. He gets it. Like there's nobody in the world that's a better recruiter, I would imagine, than Dion Sanders. Right. Yeah, because right? he can not only recruit the kid, he can recruit the parents, yeah. and you fall in love with Dion. Um, Eddie George is a Tennessee legend from his days with the Tennessee Titans. I think that's going to be an interesting situation at Tennessee State. And then you have Marshall Falk, who is one of the smartest football minds around. Marshall, he, he w- was a running back, and when you think running backs, you're not always like, oh, okay, these guys are always students of the game. Marshall Falk is a student of the game. He can break down a defense or offensive schemes as well as any quarterback or head coach around. Sean McVay, when he was hired by the L.A. Rams, was at a dinner with Marshall Falk. And one of the reasons that the Rams, Brass Stan Kroenke specifically, the owner, brought Marshall Falk to dinner was because they wanted him to get into a football discussion with McVay and kind of test his, his knowledge. And I talked to McVeigh about this, and he, he said, well, I couldn't believe how incredibly astute Marshall Falk was about the game. So this is a guy who could really scheme things up. You know, you could have three uh, legends uh, coaching in college football. And, of course, he is a New Orleans, Louisiana native, Southern University in Louisiana. So that would be a, that would be a great fit there. That, you know, one of the things, though, about head coaching with a lot of these guys that you, that you always wonder, especially guys who have had incredible careers like the three – that I just talked about is, are they going to want to grind? Because right. being a head coach is a grind. And so many guys who have made money and have celebrity don't always want to go back to the grind because they don't need to. Yeah. But I would love, I would love to see if, if Marshall got into the coaching game because he's so incredibly smart. Gosh, one of the smartest guys I've ever been around. I always thought that I knew a lot about football. And then I worked with Marshall one year at NFL network on game day morning. And he just, I learned so much more than I ever could have possibly dreamed just being around him and yeah. talking to him every single day, getting ready for the Sunday show. I hope this happens. This would be incredible for that. Oh, my goodness. Can't even think about how cool that would be. Let's have we, – we, we when we talk to Rich, we'll have to ask him about it, see if he's talked to Marshall wow. because, um, yeah, that would be very cool. We mentioned it earlier in the show. Uh, Antonio Brown, of course, re-signing – um, with the Bucks, And I have to wonder if that had anything to do with seeing Tom Brady in Jacksonville at UFC 261. Saw them go up and say hi to each other, kind of hug it out. Brady was there with Mike Evans and some some guys, and Antonio Brown was there with Jake Paul on the uh, the <laughs> other side of the floor in the arena. He gets a, a one-year deal, uh, just over $3 million guaranteed, could be worth uh, up to 6.2. 
And this is interesting. You know, he obviously joined the Bucks at midseason. Bruce Arians had to be sold on Antonio Brown. Arians, of course, is old uh, offensive coordinator with the Pittsburgh Steelers and didn't think that Antonio Brown would be a good fit. And Tom Brady did. And Tom Brady won. And Antonio Brown came. And in the last five games of the regular season, he led the Bucks in targets and he didn't record a single drop last year. Of course, catches a touchdown in the Super Bowl, helps them win a Super Bowl. Um, so for all the things off the field that have gone wrong with Antonio Brown, it seemingly was a good decision. And they're going to bring him back in Tampa on a another one-year deal. And if you're Antonio Brown, I, I don't think he's going to get any more money anywhere else. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. So you get up to $6 million, maybe another 1,000-yard season. You add to your legacy, and all exactly. of a sudden— all of a sudden, if you're Antonio Brown, all the stuff you've gone through, all the craziness off the field. Self-induced. Self-induced, 100%. But we're talking about legacy. We're talking about Hall of Fame. We're talking about uh, a Super Bowl champ two times over. What's, I mean, if the Bucks run this back and win another Super Bowl, which would be remarkable. They're not even close to being the betting favorites right now. The Chiefs are. But if they were to run this back... That locks up Hall of Fame for Antonio Brown. 100%. Lock it in. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he also produced the highest yards after catch of any of the Bucks receivers um, last season. So uh, he was their best receiver the last five weeks of the regular season and, and into the postseason. This this was a guy. And we know Tom loves him. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's his security. So you blanket. were in the house there in Jacksonville. Do you think it was a little awkward for Antonio? I mean, he's rolling up with Jake Paul. Weird. But do you think he sees Tom with a couple of receivers and is like, yo, I mean, where, lose my number? Like, what? Where, where was my invite? I wondered that when they, when they kind of like made eye contact and talked to each other. But, you know, he's, he's doing his own thing. Like, Tom had his whole crew. You know, he's there with his backup quarterback, Blaine Gabbert. Uh, he's there with a couple of buddies. Um, I has Mike Evans with him as well. But, yeah, there, there, maybe there was a little tinge of a jealousy. Bit like, hey, Tom. And, and, and by the way, like, Brady was on front row, front row, sitting right behind Dana White. And although Jake Paul and Antonio Brown were technically in the front row, they were like 20 yards back. They're sitting behind a divider, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, like, you, you, you know, you might say, like, gen pop as opposed to first class, yeah, like, in course, terms of the right. seating. But, yeah. you know, I, I think he's probably, I know AB is thrilled, but I, Tom Brady must be absolutely, you know, out of his mind to have his whole crew back. Yeah, he has to be. He has... The entire team, all twenty-two starters. So where are they? Where are they in the betting favorites? Yeah, how, how can they not be standby. the favorites? Well, right I now? mean, you think about Kansas City, right? They have completely remade yeah. that offensive line. I mean, they they have they have one of the better offensive lines in football. Though. The entire team coming back though. Yeah, all twenty-two resigned, correct? Yeah, I, I believe so. I believe so. And 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 the the weakness was was the O line, right? And then. You had Orlando Brown and all these guys and, and Kyle Long, and, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, these, I mean, you have a couple of pro bowlers now on this right, offensive so line. The Bucks are second. Okay. They're 6-1. to one, but The Chiefs are plus 450, 9-2. So that's a significant difference. And then Green Bay's 12-1. Where are the Cowboys at? Just out of curiosity, are they like two to one, or I mean, <laughs> did you just say where are the Cowboys? Thirty to one. Just, what, what, what are we doing? Is that so good? We're gonna or? have to clip TJ's mic if he talks about the the the, the Cowboys one more time. I've even gotten started, Dan. <laughs> Ryan Billick coming up. This is Dan Helley filling in on the Rich Eisen show.
All right, I'm I'm kidding. I, I know they're America's team. You can talk about the Cowboys. I mean, I, I mean, our teams have beef. It's understandable. You know, I mean, a sneaky pick right here: Colts twenty-five to one. Really? Give me some other. I always like picking one in that in that range. You know, I'll okay. take I'll take a trip out to uh, to Vegas and I'll pick one of those. They're not a long shot, but somebody where you can put yeah. a little down and it would be a nice little payment. A couple of years ago. Uh, I got the Nats when they won the World Series. No way. Ooh. And that turned to be a nice little, nice Atta little boy. payout. boy. So the Colts are in that are plus tw- uh, 2,500 to 25 to 1. Patriots, 28 to 1. Saints, 28 to 1. Seahawks, 28 to 1. Cowboys, 30 to 1. Cardinals and Dolphins, 33 to 1. Chargers, Steelers, Titans, 35 to 1. Chargers, Steelers, Titans, 35 to 1. The Titans and the Steelers are two that that you know might be worth taking a flyer. Where are the Saints? Did you say the Saints? Saints twenty eight to one. Twenty eight to one. Okay. Another guy. We we have uh, John Beck coming up uh, later in the show. He's going to be in the last hour. I mentioned that he was a a quarterback coach for three guys who could be top ten picks. Who should be top ten picks in this year's draft. Also works with a slew of NFL quarterbacks, including Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston is one of the guys he's working with as well. You know, you hear about all these quarterback coaches and right. Jordan Palmer, because he's very visible, he's very active uh, on Instagram, posting a lot of stuff, has kind of been the guy as of late. Um, I'm blanking on his last name, George. Uh, there was another guy that that worked with quarterbacks for a while who had a couple, but uh, Trent Dilfer, was work- he obviously works on kind of the more grassroots level in terms of the Elite 11. But there's not a quarterback coach in the world who's working with more top-level NFL guys than John Beck right now. Uh, he works with a guy named Adam Dato, and they've kind of taken over this company um, that, that Tom House started a while ago and really kind of leveled up by like 10x. And it's, it's fascinating how many quarterbacks they're working with. John Beck has insight into all of these quarterbacks in this year's draft. Uh, highly recommend... Yeah, well, don't don't change the channel. Just stay on the whole time because you're going to want to hear what John Beck has to say. I had the pleasure of sitting down with him uh, for uh, about an hour for my podcast, and the insight that he brought to the table was unbelievable. Speaking of insight, Brian Billick going to have a bunch coming up next hour. Dan Helley for Rich Eisen.